0: Hi, beautiful Rebel, it's Sam Goldsmith here, and welcome to Her Great Rebellion, the podcast. This is the podcast that delivers the strategy and woo that results in radical self-acceptance, radical trust in yourself, and radical trust in the universe. Through thought work, sacred medicine, and radical rebellion, we remember who we really are. As we spend time here together every week, I'm going to ask you to take a few moments To breathe together before we begin. This is a sacred action that has radically transformed my life in so many ways and it's the way that I choose to start all of the work that I do with people. Generally we're so busy, we're running around from here to there trying to fit so much in and trying to fit in more and more and more that we often forget to breathe. You might notice it now if you give your body a quick scan or just let your intuition take you to a certain place in your body that feels tight or restricted. As I'm talking, I can feel it in and around my own shoulder joint and across my shoulder blade. If I follow that a little bit more, I can feel that restriction actually moves into my belly. Noticing this makes it feel a little bit better straight away and bringing my attention to it directs breath to it naturally. You might be finding this as well. So the breath serves a physical role in that way. The breath also serves as an entry point to sacredness. And I'm going to share more with you about embracing sacredness on future episodes. You can also read it, read more about it in my book, uh, Her Great Rebellion. But for now, let's just recognize that our breath and breathing together in this way when we meet is an entry point into a sacred dimension. It's a moment to remember and to recognize ourselves as sacred to open up sacred listening, to open up sacred hearing, and to open up sacred feeling and sacred understanding within us. So wherever you are right now, let's just breathe together for a few moments. If you're listening in a place where you can close your eyes, then that's great. But if you're in your car or you're walking your dog or you've got this playing on your headphones, Just give some attention to a few conscious breaths. However you do it is fine. Okay. So let's breathe in through our nose and then gently and easily out of our open mouths. So in through our nose, gently and easily out of our open mouths. Breathing with an easy natural rhythm. And allowing our body to find that rhythm. So allowing some breaths to be deeper and some more shallow. Understanding that as we do this, we're gently recalibrating our body and our breath to ease. And as we do this, let's remember to connect to our hearts. Connecting to the energy that we feel around the area of our physical heart. And as we breathe there, let's give the heart permission to travel to the mind and to gently quieten it down. Let's allow that quietness now to move over the top of your physical head and run down the entire length of your body. Coating it in a layer of calm. And as we continue to gently breathe, let's sense the divine being underneath that layer of calm. Gently breathing here, let's give this divine being permission to hear, to interpret, to process. And to feel anything and everything in the perfect way for our highest good. Okay, beautiful beings. So we're here today to talk about being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And as I said last week, this seems like a biggie to kick off with, but it's critical to talk about this before anything else. Today, I want to share with you three key messages about embracing comfort within discomfort. They're each a bit different because it's been my experience through my own journey uh, and through the work that I do with women that this idea takes on different meanings at different times in our lives and our journeys. And what I want to finish on today is a sacred reference point for all of that that I hope will help. Okay, so let's address um, two of the big lies when it comes to how we think about being uncomfortable. So number one, Comfort is an illusion. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that our minds would lead us to believe that we are comfortable even when we aren't. How so? So for example, we have a job that pays really well, but secretly we've got a dream in our heart to have our own business or to launch a passion project. The mind leads us to believe that it's more comfortable for us to stay in the job even though we aren't happy, than it is to do the work to make the business or the project happen. When we explore this a little bit deeper, we see that it's not actually true. We aren't really comfortable at all. We actually dread getting up every day. We dread the commute to and from the office. We're constantly rehashing discussions that we had with our awful boss And we spend a lot of our free time complaining to friends about how much we hate it. So does that sound like comfort? No. But on the surface, the mind leads us to believe that it does. So number one, recognizing that a lot of what we think is comfortable is actually an illusion. Number two, we associate feelings of comfort with meaning authenticity oh it doesn't feel right it mustn't be right or it would be easy I could basically do a whole show on this because it's so big maybe we will do a whole show just on this at another time but it's important for us to recognize that we're all trapped in this belief paradigm to some degree I see it all the time with women that I work with. Well, firstly, I see it all the time within myself, um, and I have to I have to overcome that. Um, even doing these podga- podcasts, I guess, is is a challenge in that way because sometimes I feel like I don't want to do it. I don't want to have to write out the. Um, framework of what we're going to talk about. I want to just get on and do the podcast and speak uh, authentically. But that's not always practical because there's other skills that are associated with the operational aspects of doing a podcast, like how you're going to record it or how you're going to fit things into an appropriate timeframe and all those sorts of things. So um, it might mean that I don't necessarily feel authentic when i'm doing all of those that skill set or those components but it doesn't actually counteract the authenticity that i'm bringing with what i want to share from my heart to your heart who who the listener who's taken the time out of their day to to listen to this and hopefully to receive value from it so we're all trapped in it i see it all the time in women that i work with and a great example is things like doing facebook lives or Uh, writing the content to go along with the, the product that they're selling so women will say to me oh Facebook lives are not really for me it doesn't feel right I don't feel I don't feel authentic I don't feel like myself when I'm doing it or they'll say things like I didn't get my blog post done this week because I've been having a really bad week I wasn't really feeling happy so it didn't feel authentic for me to write about my product or my service that Makes people's lives better or makes people feel happier. This also was really apparent to me when I was in an emotionally abusive relationship with my ex partner. Uh, And the way that it would come up would be when we would be planning to do things as a couple. So I would want to plan things like going out for a nice dinner. And we all know that we're busy with competing demands and all the life stuff. Um, so setting aside time to do couple stuff is a, is actually an activity, right? So we need to put in effort because otherwise the thing won't happen. So if we don't plan the date in advance, we don't book the reservation at the restaurant, we don't do any of those steps, then we're not actually creating the container to have that nurturing relationship experience sometime in the future. So I would want to plan those things. and my partner or my ex-partner would not want to plan those things he would want everything to arise just naturally and spontaneously and if it didn't happen like that it would be an indication to him that he was doing something that didn't feel authentic and the end point of that would be that therefore he's in the wrong relationship so The problem with all of this, that example, and the ones that I gave previously about the women that I work with, is most of that has very little to do with authenticity. Um, It actually, or comfort or discomfort, it actually has to do with not being skilled in the task that we need to do to. Get the result or get the thing that we want to happen so with the the ladies doing the facebook lives it has nothing to do with whether they are authentic or not as they show up to do that facebook live the discomfort comes from not being practiced or well versed in the skill set that is required to make the facebook lives happen so, it might be all the tech stuff or actually hitting record and getting in front of the camera, putting yourself out there for potential um, rejection, all that sort of stuff. That's what it has to do with. It has nothing to do with the authenticity that um, they're first stating as the reason that it feels uncomfortable. We know this because if they did 10 Facebook Lives in 10 days, they would probably develop um, a very strong skill set around actually making those Facebook Lives happen and all the stuff that goes along with it. And they would naturally feel more authentic when they are in the delivery of the information to the people that they're there to serve. The same... um, Can be applied to the relationship example that i gave Um, in that situation my ex-partner was not actually skilled in the building blocks that are required to nurture and develop a relationship so he hadn't had the practice of the skills but also he had no reference point for, for needing to even do that in the first place because in his upbringing He didn't have the example or see the example that putting in effort was part of constructing a loving relationship. So it didn't have anything to do with um, being comfortable and the level of comfort relating to the degree of authenticity. It literally just has to do with whether we have the skill set that allows that to happen. So Um, the more that we practice things and the more that we become comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is the requirement to practice that, the the easier it becomes. So it has more to do with how we're interpreting the discomfort and how we're framing that discomfort than it does with anything else. So here's the sacred insight. And this is um, what I would invite you to bear in mind. Uh, and ponder over the coming week most of the things that we've spoken about these lies that are created by the mind about how comfortable we should feel um, and what that means are very rigid when things are rigid it's usually a clear sign that they are lies that they're arising from fear and that that is one of the method of operations of the ego right As soon as something appears to be completely black or white, this can be a sign that we've slipped into a false self, a shadow self, an inauthentic part of ourselves, ego, whatever you want to call it. So we can identify that. Hmm, I'm thinking black and white, right or wrong, good or bad, great. This is letting me know that there's a lie to uncover here. This awareness lets us access the authentic self and we can reframe or reinterpret how we deal with that discomfort. And we're going to have to do this over and over and over again throughout our lifetimes. So like we spoke about on the first episode, I'm always going to be the bearer of bad news when it comes to this because there's never going to be an end point where everything is easy. There's never going to be an end point where everything in life is perfect and nothing's going wrong. That is a major, major illusion that we have to break through to even begin to start really, really, really living because until then, we're going to be operating under a framework that is completely illusory. All right, so the human brain is primed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Most of us will do more to escape or to avoid the pain than we will ever do to experience the pleasure. This explains why we get stopped so easily in the pursuit of our goals. It feels better to avoid the painful thing now, for example, not going to the networking event or staying up all night to do study than it does to miss out on the pleasurable thing later, e.g. the the bigger uh, paycheck or whatever it is. But that is an illusion. The truth is that the study would lead to the paycheck, which would lead to the early retirement, more time with the kids, the big trip, having the baby, whatever it is that you really desire. So let's just fully demystify and dissolve this big lie right now, this big illusion right from the beginning. By choosing to be okay with being uncomfortable. It helps to remember two things as we practice this. So number one, pain or being uncomfortable is going to accompany most types of growth that we have. So we can choose to accept it, and we can choose to reframe it. Um, An easy example of this is to think about exercise and um, building muscles. There's going to be an element of discomfort or pain associated with that activity because it causes a breakdown of the muscle that then rebuilds itself into the end result that we want to have. So let's just accept it. Let's just accept that being uncomfortable is going to be part of the growth process that we're on as we journey to make whatever it is we desire in our life a reality. So let's accept it. We can also reframe it. How we think about everything is the most important thing, and that's why thought work is, um, is such a profound foundation for so much coaching work. We get to choose how we think about it. So we get to choose how we reframe things as well. For example, if I feel um, anxiety in my stomach because I'm about to go and do a public talk, I can tell myself a lot of thoughts about that anxiety or that feeling in my stomach that can either create a good experience for me when I go to speak or create a bad experience for me when I go to speak. If I think thoughts like, oh my goodness, my stomach's so tight. Oh, I'm not going to be able to breathe. I'm feeling really sick. What if I vomit on stage or that sort of thing? I'm not going to be creating a very powerful framework for myself to deliver a talk. If I reframe that anxiety that I'm feeling in my stomach as butterflies or excitement or um, even energy building within my body so that I can sustain the energy that I need to when I'm giving the talk and delivering it in the best way, it reframes my mind or reframes in my mind how that experience is going to occur. And so instead of experiencing it as um, anxiety, gripping anxiety that's going to make me vomit as I go to do my talk, I can reframe it as um, nervous excitement building in my belly that's there to help me to build my energy, my energy field to be my best in the talk second thing that is uh, helpful to remember as we're practicing this is that two opposing things can exist at once when we believe that they can't it creates discomfort and that is connected to a lot of the discomfort that we feel when we're doing the things that we need to do to grow into the person that we need to be to make those desires a reality so I can be scared and I can still be brave. I can be angry and I can still be compassionate. I can be sad and I can still smile and be my best for my client, even though something bad's going on in my personal life. I can hold each of those things at the same time. So imagine um, you can hold your scaredness in one hand and you can hold bravery in your other hand and you can still show up and you can still do the thing neither of those things has to go away you're just holding them and you're doing the thing anyway you'll know that this is true if you have um, experienced deep grief in your life because grief can last a long time but you can still do things In the midst of your grief, you can still share a laugh with your friend because something funny happened. You can still go to work and show up, excuse me, and do your job. It doesn't take away from your grief that you've showed up to do your job. So these opposing things can coexist. In my own programs, we look at the unique lies that our minds are telling us and we explore them and treat them with the correct sacred medicine. But I'll tell you a little secret. It's actually not little, it's big. Sometimes just calling out the lie or the illusion is enough to completely disempower it. In yogic philosophy, we often use the metaphor of the snake and the rope to illustrate this. And you might have heard this or similar stories or similar takes on it before. But suppose we're walking in the forest and we hear uh, the grass rustle We look around quickly and at first we don't see anything. But suddenly as we turn our eyes back to the road where we're going to walk, in the distance we see a snake lying on the ground, sunning itself fully outstretched across the whole path that we're needing to walk on. When we see this, fears begin to grow in our bodies and our mind starts to go crazy. How are we going to get past this snake? What if it bites us? What if we get bitten and we're here all alone in the forest? We'll be poisoned. Nobody's going to be here to help us. Oh, my goodness, we're just going to die alone. We have no choice. We have to keep walking. As we get closer, we can see it clearly and we realise that it is not a snake. It's actually just a piece of rope. As we see this, our fear immediately vanishes and we know it's just a piece of rope. Added to this, once we know that it's just a piece of rope, we're never going to believe again, no matter what anybody tells us, that that is a snake. And this is how I like to look at the idea of being comfortable with discomfort. Once we accept it, once we see through the illusion that it's orchestrating, we can't go back. Once we accept that we are capable of being okay, with being uncomfortable, it has no power over us and we can choose from a place of truth and inner integrity to keep going. That is true personal power. Can you see now why we need to get this at the very beginning? Otherwise, it's a fundamental lie that will just run the whole entire show. Think about this and how it applies over the next week. So just notice your own thoughts. You don't even have to commit to challenging them. Just notice them. How many of them are aimed at this illusion of avoiding pain or discomfort? And as you're doing that, just remember that you are a divine being. You are 100% capable of being at peace with coexistence states. You can be scared and do it anyway. You can be confused and you can still trust. You can be sad and you can still take action. You can be unsure and you can still take just one step. Okay, so I'm looking forward to exploring more with you here on the podcast each and every week. So hit subscribe. And if you enjoy the episode, please rate it and leave a review so that it shows up to help more people. If you haven't already done so, jump over to my website, uh, www.samanthagoldsmith.com, and download my free self-doubt eraser-guided meditation and stay connected to be the first to hear when my new book, Her Great Rebellion, The Radical Act of Remembering Who You Really Are, goes on pre-sale, which is going to be really soon. And remember, if you're ready to overcome the fear of being yourself by remembering who you really are and experiencing radical self-confidence, radical ease, and radical trust in yourself and the universe jump over to the website and check out my rebel life boot camp for lifetime access to the materials and to the community that's going to support all of that until then sit deep live radically and do you my sovereign sister see you next week